Hi guys, welcome back to Hear Our Voices. Guys, I know my voice is sounding crazy in the last upload. If y'all stay to the end, my voice sounds different from in the video and from the ending because I did the ending at different points because I have to edit everything. So I'm sorry. Hopefully you can understand everything I'm saying. Hopefully everything is clear. But follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and obviously on this, wherever you're hearing us from. It could be Spotify, Anchor. I actually record on Anchor and it goes out to other um, platforms. So can you follow us and get the information out there that people might need to become better in their lives? And we have an information packet. It should be down below. And just follow us. And if you have a story, if you want to be a person on the podcast, if you have a story, you're based in New York City, you went to a family shelter, no matter if it's DHS or not, you qualify to be on a podcast to share your story. Also, if you've been, um, if you went to other shelters or if you've just been, a, I want to say a couch surfer, if, it sounds weird, but a person who's not in the shelter, but they go from home to home, people's couches or um, guest rooms, you're still considered under homelessness. You're just not counted because you're not actually in a shelter shelter. You count, and we'd love to hear your story also. So come back to us anytime you like and sit back and relax and enjoy this next podcast or part of this ne- part two of this next podcast. Thank you guys. Bye. One thing with being homeless, a lot of people, well, I thought I'll end up homeless regardless, to be honest, since I was younger, but that's a different story. Um, people don't realize like it can really happen to anybody. People, especially living in New York City, a lot of people are literally one check away and one eviction away of being homeless themselves. And they don't realize how nerve wracking it is. You could be having a job, you could be having all these things. And all of a sudden one thing happened, a fire happened, you end up in a shelter. And it's just, it's just very interesting. Um, but yeah. So do you have any stories of how does shelter staff have treated you and how your whole process went in that aspect? Um, honestly speaking, in that first shelter that I was in, then that was in the landing that was by the Guardia Airport. They were really friendly. You know, they were on set, um, caseworkers. Um, if you needed anything, they would help you out. Um, they were trying to give you um any information that you needed. Um, how to get around and all the other stuff. But in the second shelter that I was in, which was in the Bronx. There was no on-site casework. So that was a little difficult for me because um, we had a security guard, but they really didn't, didn't, couldn't give you the information you needed. I am so sorry, (laughs) my kids. Um, So it was difficult. So I had to literally travel to speak to my caseworker. And they were like, they really didn't, they show that they didn't care. They said, oh, I, I want to help you. I want to help you through this process. Um, they will have you do like job searching and filling like this um, log sheet of every person that you contacted to get a job um, and all this other stuff. But they really didn't really help you to say, look, you could go here to get a job or you could go here to get um, further information on whatever it is that you might need. They didn't do that. And they like, they took too slow. They were very slow in doing everything.
like they were very patient on doing their job and instead of helping me out with figuring out certain things because I'm new to the shelter system, they just like whatever. They didn't care. But they were very friendly. You know, they'll see you, they will say hi, they would do like um like every few months an inspection, a room or an apartment inspection. And they will try to show up to you and stuff. Got it. That's very, I never heard of that, but obviously it's happened to you. It happened to you um, about the staff not being on site. You have to actually travel to them. I went to four different shelters and I never um, had that problem. Um, fact, I, I was also at the landing. That's the shelter I stayed at the longest time that I was in shelter. I want to say a year, a year and like a month or so. Cause I came in in January and I left February the next year. Um, but yeah, so that's very interesting that that would happen to you. Did they give you anything when you came in? I know certain places you're able to cook, some places you're not able to cook. Um, I know the landing, now you could cook in it, but before you weren't able to cook in there because they didn't have a stove or anything like that. Um, did they give you any food, any supplies that you might need to be, to be able to survive in the shelter? And the landing at the time where I was there, they were like, have like, um, uh, what's it called? Like uh, microwavable, microwavable food that they will give you like a little lunch thing and you could put in a microwave and you could heat it up and warm it up. But in the one in the Bronx, I had, it's like an apartment. It was a shelter apartment where I had a bathroom, I had a kitchen that I could cook in. But honestly speaking, I didn't even want to cook in there because Every chance you had and you looked, there was a rat of mice, there was vultures. It was completely disgusting. And I complained about that many of times. And all they could say, look, we can only give you like mice traps. Like in my mind, I'm like, what the heck are mice traps going to do? I'm literally petrified of mice. You know, and here I am, got to deal with my shots. And then if I catch one, I'm going to be the one throwing them out. I don't want to be touching that. So right. I was like, really, it got to the point that it's either I bought food from my side and just fed my son, or it's either me having to put my big boy pants on and say, you know what? Screw this. You have to cook. You can't be buying food outside all the time because money's eventually going to run out. You know, so I had to step it up and say, screw it, you got to cook. And I had to buy me pots and pans and, um, and cook. So I had to have my, refri my refrigerator full. But it was, it was, it was bad. I, I look back and think to myself, like, how the heck did I do almost three years being in that shelter? and nobody did anything to fix the situation and now that i go every once a, every once in a while around the area and now i'm told that instead of being a shelter system a shelter it's now um affordable housing apartment oh no so really did change <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's gonna still be bad i'm sorry <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> it's gonna be bad still. I promise I, you. They're gonna remake outside yeah. and make inside look okay. 
and it's not gonna last that long. I promise you. I know people in my area. I live in nature. First, let's start off with this. I'm sorry. If you have a problem in the shelter, guys, and you really want to get under their skin, it might sound bad, it might sound petty. I don't care. What I did when I after a while I was having roaches, people were having problems in their part in their room and I didn't have it. And eventually it started happening to me. I called through one real quick. They moved my room right away. I don't play with nobody. Sorry. Why should my child be sleep with roaches crawling on her? I'm confused. I called 311. Somebody had to solve the problem. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, I talked to this girl the other day. She lived by me. And she lives in one of the affordable housings, whatever. She said, it's basically like NYCHA. She said, they kind of fix it, make it look nice on the outside. And the inside looks okay, too, but it still has that NYCHA feel. Which I've, I've never grew up in buildings, but I've been in a few buildings in New York City. Um, and especially I used to do dog walking, so I've been into certain kind of buildings. You could tell which building is which, and like kind of, you know, kind of living. And a lot of apartments that I've been into feel different than NYCHA buildings. So I feel like all they did is probably slap some paint on it, put, some, put up some drywall, and they probably still have the rats and the roaches. And the sad thing about it, when people are coming in to, to view them, you know rats and roaches sometimes will come out until the lights come off and people are doing viewings in the daytime. So by the time they move in, it's too late because they already signed the lease and did everything else. And that's not fair to people who are moving in. But um, I digress. So yeah. So is the, the neighborhood getting gentrified or just like they're putting the more affordable housing in that area? To be honest with you, Van, uh, I really don't know. I know that at the time when I was in there, there were two shelters um, like side by side, I would live in one and there was another shelter on the other side. Like the only thing that divided the two shelters was a restaurant, which the restaurant is still there. But now I think both of them are housing apartments, affordable housing apartments. And I had it's funny because I have a friend that I became cool with that I became cool with that lives there still. And I thought like, so what's gonna happen? Like, why um, are you planning to get out of there? She was like, I can't now. I was like, what you mean? I'm like, they just made this affordable housing. I'm like, what? And they haven't even fixed the vote and the vultures and my problem. Like, and it's really bad. Like I told her like, I can't do that. I can't live in a place like that. Like I've always, lived in a place where I had no, um, I might have a few uh, roaches, like the tiny ones, but no mice and none of that. And in that shelter they have like the big water bugs, um, the little ones, the uh, small roaches and the mice. I'm like, how can you do it? I was even like, I had to ask, like, I even told her, like, you need to get out of there. You have a, a daughter. You know, she's about my son's age, a little smaller than my son, and you can't you can't just be in there. They say, okay, I'm going to be here because now they make this affordable housing. You know, you got to look for your daughter. I look out for your daughter, too. But, I mean, she's, you know, things happen, and I guess she got really comfortable being there, which I wasn't. So... I mean, she's still in the building and they made, they did some type of changes. Like before you was able to walk in the building and now it's like, if you don't have a key or know the apartment you're going to, you won't be able to get to the door. 
Well, they need to work on those rats and roaches. They need to at least stay outside too, but that's a different story. It's just so sad that, especially because in New York City, um, the rat population is out of control. I, I don't know if it's true, but they said during the pandemic, a lot of people were outside, inside. Uh, um, I guess the mating of the rats in New York City got crazy and it's much more than before, but it's out of control. And then it's just bad. And I think we need to do something about it, but that's a different story for a different program. But yes, let's look back to this story, Lorded. So um, what else, what do you feel like could have been better in your shelter experience? Um, honestly speaking, I think that the people should have more empathy, um, show more care, like show that they actually do care trying to help you out. I think that's one of the biggest things. Nobody, like I said earlier, nobody really cares. Like all they do is their job and they don't show that, look, I'm really here trying to sit here and trying to help you out. Obviously not, not everybody has empathy, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things that people need to learn to get. And, you know, show some type of compassion because, um, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that, since I work with the um, fellows and the Family Homeless Collision, I have to. I have learned to see other people's point of view and certain things, and it's not pretty. The outside world, as we know it, it's not pretty. You know, I um, was the other day with another colleague of mine doing outreach, and I seen a lot of people, Spanish people in the shelter system and it's like they have no voice you know and it's hard because if you don't have a voice in this world it's like how are you going to be able to communicate with others and show them like look i'm here i need your help and if nobody's helping them what like what's really going to happen to those people you know but i think they need to have more empathy If you did not know, she's putting a little shout out for her people. <laughs> um, what, from what you have seen, I, I could say now, but when you were in the shelter for the Hispanic community, which if you don't know, out of the shelter and the, the family shelter is the, basically the biggest homeless sector in New York City. Um, and then out of the people who are in there is the blacks are the most and Hispanics are um, second in line which honestly is a lot of people as if you look at the people who are in and out of shelters, it's a lot of us. <laughs> um, and then there's the others <laughs> who's just not in those two categories, you know? And from your, from when you were in there, what have, did you see? Like, was it a, like a barrier with translation? Did you see that they were getting help or people were kind of pushing them to the side from your point of view, from what you actually lived through? What did you see was happening to that population in shelter? Um, it really depended because if you were a Spanish speaking person who spoke English, you could get your point across. You know, it, that, that, that wasn't a big thing. But if you was an actual Spanish speaking person that didn't know English, you know, it's hard. You would need a translator. You, and then half the time, the translator wouldn't even translate everything to the T either. You know, so it's, it's difficult. I'm telling you, it's difficult. I'm Hispanic, and my first language is Spanish. You know, I learned English through school, and seeing my mother, you know, 
she's been here for many years and she doesn't know English. So it's hard. It's really hard, you know, just to learn a second language, just because you have to learn a second language. I had no choice. But my mother, on the other hand, was uh, one of those tough parents who always thought that English was a difficult language to learn. And now I'm not the only one who thinks that, but, you know, it's difficult. Because you spell it one way, you pronounce it a different way, and you speak it a different way. So it's like too many things to go into English. But it's really hard for just a Spanish person just to, you know, communicate with a non-spoken Spanish person. Do you think they stayed in the shelter longer because they didn't have the um the information? And why do you think a person would, if you're a translator, I would think that you translate everything a person is saying to you, not just what you think is important. See, that's the thing. Like when you speak the Spanish language, language, I'm sorry, um, everything you say, it's like shorthanded. It's like three or four words is that one word, you know? So it's like, you might give the person a short version of what you're saying, but in reality it's not. I mean, they sound like kind of, kind of contradicting, but you know, but I believe that because of the language barrier, I think they have stayed longer into the shelter system. And it sucks. It really does suck. It, it sounds like it does. You said you stayed here three years. I can't imagine a person who doesn't speak the language at all and um, going through the system. I can imagine going to like, say China, Japan or Australia. Never mind. Or France, because I've been to Paris and I've been to obviously I've been to France, but going to a place we don't know the language and literally I'm, I'm like anybody I'm literally because I'm very I can be both I have to be anybody speak English because I <laughs> I probably should have went there knowing how to speak a little other than bonjour and we oui, and you know so I know it could be I can imagine being in a situation where you're like people don't care as it is and then they can't speak the language so it's even worse. It can be very frustrating. Yeah. I, can't, I can't even imagine. I cannot even Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The other day, I was doing the outreach, like I said, and I've, known, I've seen this lady, and I spoke to this lady, who's been in the shelter system for five years, and they're yeah. not helping her. Yeah. Wow. Five years in the shelter system. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what is she not doing? that she's still stuck in a shelter system. And and it, and it all goes back to the language barrier. You know, it's difficult. You know, it's it's a shame that because you don't know the language, like they're like discriminating you or making you feel some type of way. You know, like I said, I'm Spanish. I come from a Spanish background. And just looking at my own kind of people, not only because they're, I'm saying this in general, whether you're um, Mexican, Puerto Rican, uh, from Honduras, whatever background you're from, I'm speaking in general as Hispanics. It's really difficult to, you know, be in some place where you don't know the language and because of the language, nobody hears you. So it's like, it's, it's a hassle for them, and it's, I could guarantee you it's very frustrating for those people that don't speak it. 
is is kind of like they're twice invisible you know like you're when you're invisible as a homeless person and you're visible even more because you can't even speak what's and or understand what's going on and they tell you that they have these resources but it's like first of all there's a lot of problems in all fronts with this is because when I was growing up they told me if you learn a different language you know I, I tried to experience but it didn't work out I digress um they say if you learn a different language the job you get a, you get a better job depending on what it is and also they'll pay you more a lot of these jobs will hire a person who's Hispanic or they think who's like they look Hispanic and then they expect them on a job to speak the language but you're not paying me for these things and I think that's a lot of um there's a lot of things the problems too is that they're not paying these workers enough and then you want them to also speak a different language that's not fair so um they have to hire people in those positions who can speak these different languages. Um, they have they have um, Asian people in there also who cannot speak the language of you know English, and that there's a struggle for them also. So it's like they need to hire people who are who can speak it, but also pay people their worth. They have a um a, a gap a wealth gap you want to say, and especially in New York City because everything is expensive. Yeah, minimum wage we went up a couple of years ago fifteen dollars. What's fifteen dollars in New York City? That's a at Starbucks, a drink and a sandwich, and you might a little bit leave, live it more depending on if you want to get a little, you know, a brownie or something. So it's, it's a whole problem, and they just need to fix the whole system, to be honest. Um, and this is what the podcast is for, is people to share their stories and to make people understand, yeah, you might hear a person who's, who's English speaking in a shelter and hear their problem, but when you have a person who's from a different background, a different everything, then um, a typical, I guess, American, you could say, or English-speaking person, and hear their story, it's not just only, oh, this English person is, you know, have a problem. Everybody, we're in the same predicament. We're all homeless together, right? And we just want to get the, the rights and the stuff that we need to survive and be able to live comfortably with our family. Because nobody want to live uncomfortably at all. You know, we all want to be here and be happy with our family, almost have the American dream with the well, we probably can't do that in Brooklyn that much with the white picket fence and the nice house and all those things. And being homeless sometimes it feels like you're never going to get there. But um, obviously, you know, we moved out. We might not have the big house, you know, one day that could be our future, but you never know. Um, Hi, guys. Thank you for coming this far in the podcast. And I hope it was good and I hope it was relaxing. And I hope you have learned some things from what we talked about. So watch us on our other social media platform. We give out a lot of information. I think we're probably most active on Twitter than Instagram after that. We're trying to grow our Facebook community. So we made a new Facebook group because the other one wasn't private. And this one, um, the other one was private and this one is not. So we want to get more of like a community feel over there. So on our Twitter, because we do post the most there, we give out um, job listings. We give out resources, back to school things. This is right now, we're in August, so it's back to school time. So guys, if you want to hear more, more information and will be helpful for you and your family or other people's family, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Bye.